Hey there, welcome into the Render Podcast. I'm your host, Cam, and I'm so excited to be talking with our professional, Taylor, about numbers and how that relates to your marketing strategies. As a reminder, if you want to take notes from this podcast episode, pull out a pen and notepad or your notes section on your phone, or save this episode for a later date for you to take those notes because this one is going to be full of good ones. So let's get started into today's episode all about marketing strategies. Hey there, you're listening to The Render Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm Cam, a visionary leader who has failed and thrived through small business leadership. After being in the events industry since 2010 and working with brands such as Nike, the Dallas Cowboys, and the Create and Cultivate, I became wildly passionate about education for small businesses. I teach others how to work with their dream clients, the mistakes I've made along the way. I hope you leave here refreshed, engaged, and ready to take on your company, making the next right decision. Introduce yourself to our audience and tell them a little bit about yourself. Of course. Uh, first of all, thank you so much for having me on the podcast, Cam. I'm always super excited to connect with new people. And you know, we talked a little bit uh, before we started recording about this is a tiny bit of a full circle moment <laughs> for me to connect with you in person. Uh, but my name is Taylor Cusick Holman, and I'm a person that wears a lot of hats, but the hat that I am really putting forward the most right now is as the founder of NG. Um, it is a soon-to-launch tech startup that's going to be releasing marketing tools that everyone can use and that are specifically built for small business owners to fit into the pretty crazy lifestyle that we all lead. Um, but my background is in marketing consulting, and I've had that business, Tailored Media and Designs, since 2015, which is crazy that I'm like, the business is turning eight years old. Um, Time but, flies. Pardon me? Time flies. Time does fly. I'm like, how yes. is it almost a decade? It's quite a, quite an adventure. Um, so the the reason that I got into marketing consulting was I mean, kind of like a lot of folks, I was in the corporate world and very quickly realized, like, I don't fit into this box, so I need to figure out something else for myself. And I ended up getting connected to a few creatives in San Diego, where I'm based. And one of them connected me to a wedding florist. And it just kind of like exploded from there. And all of a sudden, I woke up one day, and I was like, I have, I have clients, I think I need to start a consulting business. So I have had the pleasure of working with wedding professionals around the world, which is so rad. And I've mostly been helping them create marketing strategies, implement them, you know, figure out what needs to be tweaked moving forward, as well as doing a lot of copywriting for folks, because I've yet to meet someone who's like, yes, I love writing. Please just let me take care of it for you. Um, so, so that's kind of where I've come from. Um, but you know, a little bit about me as a person. I am pretty obsessed with skiing. So if I'm not working, you're probably going to find me skiing uh, or mountain biking. I, my friends who know me and, and get to experience me in real life, they're always asking me where this bruise is from and where that one is from. So <laughs> I'm definitely the embodiment of a, a work hard, play hard kind of person. So, uh, but I'm really excited about where 
my history working with clients more as like a done for you service. I'm really excited about this transition into creating something that's, you know, me is kind of like a scalable version of technology that can really help people tap into expert marketing support that I think we all deserve. Yeah, definitely. And you were talking before we started recording about how some of the marketing strategies that you have used and have been tried and true are so good for rental companies. And we have so many listeners that are um, rental company owners or they work within rental companies. Maybe they are in the marketing uh, department of their rental company. And so I'm so excited about this episode and getting it out for people to learn more and hopefully expand your reach of what you're trying to do because it is so needed. I certainly don't love to copyright, but (laughs) numbers definitely help with that. Yeah, I know. It's one of those things where, you know, marketing is such a a broad thing and there's so many ways to do it. And that's a part of what makes it really overwhelming for whether you're a business owner or you're someone who's supporting a business in a marketing department. And so I'm excited about what we're going to talk about today so that people can start to see things more clearly and feel like they're working more effectively at, at what they're doing. Yeah, definitely. So one of the things that we were talking a little bit right before we started uh, recording is this gut instinct versus actual hard numbers. I think it's so important because I think as small business owners, especially in the creative world, meaning rentals and floral and all of the things that we get to do in the event space, it's such, such an emotional pull and you're tied emotionally to what you're doing, whether it be marketing things, whether it be um, what you're producing for the actual events, or even just the communication that you have with your clients via email or writing captions or your blog posting or whatever it is that you're doing, it can feel so emotionally tied because art and creating something beautiful is emotional. And so this, most people in the event industry either have the business like number side of their, their head or they have the super creative side. And so sometimes we have to lean into both of those sides as one, business owners, and two, people who are working in marketing as well. And so let's talk a little bit about why numbers versus trusting your gut are so, so important. Yeah, you know, trusting your gut is is important. And I'm not going to ever tell someone to stop listening to their intuition because that mm-hmm. I think that would be a mistake. You know, um, I'm not a super woo-woo person, but I do think that in general, my intuition guides me in the right direction. But when it comes to marketing, you have to be more confident about what you're doing than just feeling like it's working, right? Mm -hmm. You have to know that it's working because marketing is very much a money-driven part of your business. Even if you're not actively spending money on marketing with you know, a budget for for advertising or showcasing at events, even if you're just bootstrapping it, bootstrapping it and being scrappy. That's what I meant to say. <laughs> um, I combine those two words. We'll, we'll call it bootstrapping. Uh, you heard it here yeah. first. <laughs> even, <laughs> even if you're doing that, it's really important to realize that your time has a dollar value attached to it. And so this is how, when you're not tracking your numbers and understanding them, and, and looking at them through a little bit of a different lens, this is how all of a sudden you can feel like you've spent too much of something, whether that's time, money, or effort. 
and uh, you start to feel like you're in the hole over marketing. And that's a terrible place to be. And then, you know, we, we get back into that emotional conversation about being a business owner and a creative and, and wanting it to, you know, be all these things. And part of that is an extension of us. And so uh, I think a lot of people lean too much on their gut and intuition because it's safer, right? Mm -hmm. As opposed to having a really objective look at whether or not their creativity is turning into money. And that's like, that's a big heavy thing to ask yourself, but it is super important that people learn how to balance those two things. Like if, if you're someone who's is it right brain that's really numbers driven? Mm-hmm. I, I always mix them up. No, your left brain is numbers and your right brain is the creative, creative side. So mm-hmm. I always mix them up. It's like, it's the one thing that I'm dyslexic over. Um, <laughs> but so even if you're super left brained, you know, it's important for you to learn how to listen to your intuition every once in a while and practice the more creative side of, of running a business and, and vice versa. So it's just this practice that looks a little bit different for for everyone depending on who you are kind of at a, at your core. Yeah, and I love what you said earlier about how marketing while it might not be money related, meaning you're cashing in dollars because of your marketing efforts, it is directly tied to your sales department as well. And so a lot of times, you know, we get in these organic what we think is organic inquiries coming in is usually because we've done something on the marketing level to get those inquiries, whether it be through someone finding us through a blog post because we've worked on our SEO, which is marketing, which is search engine optimization. If you don't know what that is, um, it's how you write your blog post in order for that to be searchable. Um, And then maybe it's through Instagram. Maybe they see something really beautiful through a reel that you put together or a post And so they direct message you or they click on your link in your bio and fill out a contact form. So those things that might not be tied to like, oh, someone DM'd me or someone said directly, I found you from Google, just because they're not saying that doesn't mean that the inquiries that you have coming in or the um, sales that you're producing aren't directly tied to marketing. Um, I don't know if you've heard of Donald Miller Mm -hmm. before. So I just finished his new book, How to Grow a Small Business, and it was hands down probably my favorite business book I think I've ever read. And I read a ton of books. There's yep. so many that I've read in the past uh, couple of years, but his has been my favorite so far because he uses analogies that make sense to someone who doesn't have to think that hard to make it sense. Yep. And so one of the things that he mentioned, which is a part of marketing and sales, is he Um, says that your business is like an airplane. And he says your um, leadership is your cockpit. They're the ones leading the airplane. Your um, marketing is your right engine and your sales is your left engine and your products are your wings and your overhead is your body and your cash flow is your fuel tanks. And so he has these six different pillars of a business, but he talks a lot about the marketing and the sales are your engines. And if you don't have one of those engines working really well, your plane is going to go down, which means your business is going to go down. And you can't have those engines without your products, which is your wings. And so while you are marketing, you have to have these products to market and your sales and your marketing have to be working cohesively together. And that's where that money side comes in that you were mentioning is that when you have your marketing, it has to influence your sales and you have to have sales 
to influence what you can market. And so that's where, while it might not be you're swiping a credit card or taking a payment because of your marketing efforts, it is directly tied to your sales. Yeah. And so when, when marketing dips, sales dip. And that's why it's so, so important. And if it's directly related to your revenue and that's what makes your business and pays your payroll and pays your rent and all these things that we have to pay for in order to be in business, if your marketing dips, that uh, sets the trajectory for the rest of your business. We have to have that marketing piece. And do we really want that marketing piece to be relied on our intuition or do we want it coupled with some numbers. Yeah. That's what I always have to think about. Yep. And the interesting thing is when it's it's very typical for people to fall out of practice with marketing. And I, I I like to talk about marketing as a habit that we all need to build and really like commit to. But it's normal for you to just be like, oh my goodness, I need to take a step back and like give myself a break like a break. But the interesting thing is is when you do let yourself go into a marketing dip or lull, you don't really feel the impact of that for much later, right? There's a lag mm-hmm. time. And so I think it takes a while for people to recognize the the how closely tied marketing and sales are because, you know, they can fool themselves that, oh, well, things are still fine. Like I did, I haven't done anything to market my business in weeks, but I still have inquiries coming in. And then three weeks from from now or from then, things will go totally quiet. And then, but then they think that there's, you know, they don't see the correlation between the two. So mm-hmm. um, side note, I just ordered that, or I just received that book. I haven't picked it up yet, but it's sitting on my nightstand. Yeah. So I'm excited to dive in. It's so good. I normally will take a couple weeks to read a book, but that one I finished in three days. Oh, wow. Because it was okay. so good. Okay. I didn't want to put it down because I was like, wait, what's next? Like, I want to know what's next. What are you going to talk about? It's really good. Highly recommend it. You can find it on Amazon. If you're listening to this podcast, you can find it on Amazon. I think it's like 20 or $22 or something like that. But the knowledge that you're going to get is way worth the $22 to get the book. So highly recommend. But yeah, I think that's incredible because it is so directly tied to your sales. And like you said, you might not see those um, dip or, um, you know, good fruition from your marketing until weeks later. And so it's funny how this the marketing ties so much into sales and how it's not an immediate thing. And so if you're projecting, like if you're looking at your numbers financially and you say, okay, my account's receivable, I'm not going to be receiving as much as I need to in three or four weeks from now, let's push some marketing right now so that we can feel that in a few weeks from now. And so it's a really cool tool that you can kind of um, have your checks and balances of like, how am I doing in sales? What do I need to be doing, you know, weeks or even months from now? And how can I impact my marketing strategies to impact that sales strategy later on? Yeah. And one of the things that I I would really encourage people to do in order to put themselves in a position where they can start seeing those correlations is to really start tracking, you know, your KPIs or key performance indicators or marketing metrics, whatever, you know, whatever label you want to give them. And I know that you have a great marketing stats template in your shop. So that's a mm-hmm. super fantastic way for people to build this habit into their overall routine. But I think the reason that I want to really double down on like, you need to be tracking your metrics, which I'm, I'm so glad that you're also like beating this drum is because 
that's how you see the correlations between when your foot is on the gas pedal and when you take it off. And so when someone looks at their marketing funnel, the things like advertisements and social media and email marketing, all those things sit at the the widest part of your funnel where you're trying to get folks into, you know, like your sales process. And those are the actions that you can take to then influence more of your, your mid-funnel KPIs, where those are things like how many inquiries are we getting, how many consultations are we scheduling, how many proposals are we sending out, that kind of stuff. And then at the bottom of the funnel, that's like your hardcore sales stuff, like how many contracts did you sign, what's your booking value, all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff. But it's in between those layers of your funnel where you start to see the correlations, right? So if you're not putting people in the top, then your bottom, you're already going to lose people along the way, right? Because not every inquiry or lead is an ideal client. Maybe they can't afford you or maybe for whatever reason. We all know, we all know the list of reasons <laughs> that people drop out of the funnel. Um, but without having actually tracked those numbers, you don't see or you can't see where people are dropping off. And so if something is feels off, which again, we're going back to our gut. If something feels off in between that top level of your funnel with all of the marketing uh, actions that you're taking and that mm-hmm. mid-level where you're, you should be seeing inquiries, something feels off there, then that tells you maybe my messaging is wrong, maybe... The audience that I set my ad up is to is wrong. Maybe there's something funky about my website going on. But that's how you actually start to like dig into understanding where things are potentially broken or need to be refined or are working really well and you can then double down on them. Yeah, exactly. And if you don't have those funnels, we need to create those funnels. And so you might have all these different um, kind of strategies that you're bringing in for marketing. Like you said, it could be advertising, it could be blogging, it could be email marketing, it could be social media, which there's a zillion different platforms for social media. Um, but there's so many different options and we have to understand what are we doing to get people in the funnel and then what are our follow-ups like and how are we still meeting the need outside of just posting something or just writing a blog piece or just sending that email what is the next step? And then what's the step after that? And what's the step after that? And what's the step after that until you get to a booking stage? And so if you can understand, well, people are dropping off after I send them the first quote. Well, perhaps the quote that you're sending them, we're not showing the full picture. Maybe there's something that's missing from that initial quote that you're sending out. Maybe it's your pricing. Maybe it's all these things, but having that gut intuition coupled with the numbers and what you're doing is so, so important. And if you miss a part of that, or if you don't have some of those stats or those numbers that you're tracking, you need to implement those stats and those numbers because otherwise you don't have any numbers to track. Yep. What are some of the good KPI tracking numbers that you would suggest are good to understand between a sales and the marketing piece to figure out some of those kind of hesitations that I think everybody experiences at some point or another? is this ghosting or this dropping off? What are some of those things that can help 
um, the people who are listening to this understand what to track on those KPIs. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, to take a half step back, I love what you said in this. I had this thought that came into my brain, like marketing is an experiment, right? And so that's that's essentially what you and I are talking about is, you know, figuring out what works, how can we tweak things and change it to, you know, get closer and closer to proving our hypothesis correctly if we're going to throw it back to, you know, high school chemistry class or whatever. <laughs> um, but so when it comes to what KPIs you want to track, I kind of started mentioning, you know, KPIs that sit at dif- different parts of your marketing funnel. And so if we're talking about advertisements, right? Uh, I think advert rental companies are one of the, I would put on the short list of wedding business types where advertising makes a lot of sense because you are a volume-based business, right? Like you have a huge inventory and you can rent out to 10 or more events on a single weekend, depending on the size of your business. Whereas a wedding planner can like do one, (laughs) unless they're one of the few companies that has a team. So advertising is not great for the one-to-one service provider client relationships, but because rental companies are a one-to-many, it makes all the sense in the world. So when it comes to advertisements, you want to know how many impressions your ads are getting, which means how many eyeballs are actually seeing your ads. Then you can start thinking about what's the click-through rate on my ad. And and click-through rate can be applied to email marketing, right? Like how many people are actually clicking through to the email or clicking from the email to your website. Um, But, you know, click-through rate is, is an interesting one that shows you, again, movement in the funnel. Then there's things like engagement rates, which are helpful to know, but they do require some bath, which is kind of right. like, uh, I get people rolling their eyes at me when I say, oh, you could you know, calculate your engagement rate on different social media channels or your email marketing or whatever. And they're like, yeah, sure, sure, sure. I'm not oh going to do that. That is like speaking my language. I swear, sometimes I just dream in spreadsheet format. <laughs> like one of my uh, gals, Kaylee, who's been with me for so long on our company, she, um, she and I will like have a conversation. She runs our whole marketing department. So she'll talk to me about something marketing wise and she can already see in my eyes, like trying to calculate it in my mind and the formulas and like, okay, equals and then parentheses. And like, how do we do this? (laughs) Oh my gosh. It's so funny. I love it. But it is important. It's super important. Um, and you know, when we, that, that kind of middle part of the sales funnel, it's, it's, I think that's, a pretty straightforward one. How many inquiries are you getting? How many consultations, proposals? How many contracts are you sending out? And then down at the bottom, it's tracking things like how many contracts you sent, what's the average booking value? Um, and then the big one is what was the cost to acquire a client, right? A couple who actually booked you for for their wedding. And so that one is it's interesting because it's very much like, okay, well, what were you doing to market your business? How much money are you spending? You know, so there's, there's a couple ways to go about actually calculating your cost to acquire, but that's a really powerful number to know because then if you're someone who wants to start getting into projections, then you kind of have this simple formula that you can feel pretty confident about that tells you, okay, if I spend 
$150 on marketing, I should expect to see a booked client out of that. And so that can help you build out your marketing budget. And then from there, you can decide where you're going to spend the money. But that's an interesting one that I don't think most wedding business owners know off the top of their head. Like, Mm -hmm. what does it actually cost me to get a booked client? Right. Well, one of the number one questions I see um, event professionals of any type of events that you're doing, not just rentals, is asking your client where they found you so that you can focus more on that. Mm-hmm. And so if you don't know where they're finding you, other than getting, obviously, if they reach out to you through, via DMs, you probably understand that they've reached out to you because they saw you on Instagram. But if you're getting inquiries based on um, wish lists or contact forms or any other way that's not directly from a platform itself, if you don't ask them where they found you, then it doesn't allow you to focus on what is working, what's not working in marketing. For example, last year we did a whole bunch of different kind of testing strategies in marketing. We tested out TikTok. We tested out, we've had Instagram for a zillion years or since it's been around. So we didn't really test that out other than, you know, types of posts like reels versus carousels versus all of those. Um, Pinterest, Facebook, email marketing. I mean, we tested a whole bunch of things and then we tried to figure out, okay, where are our clients finding us through asking those um, questions? We were putting a lot into TikTok and a lot into Instagram and a lot into Pinterest and a lot into email marketing. Nobody found us from TikTok. Nobody. But a ton of people found us from Pinterest and from Instagram or because of a blog post or because of something else that they found via Google. And so that gave us the ability to look at our numbers and sure, we might have had impressions and sure, we might have had likes and comments on our TikTok posts, but were we actually getting business from it or were we just getting eyeballs on it saying like, oh, that's pretty, like <laughs> cool, and then they move on, which was happening. And so um, one of our team members asked us last week, hey, why don't we have a TikTok? Like, why can't can we try doing TikTok? And we can say now because of those numbers, well, here's the deal. We did do TikTok. Here's the results from that TikTok. Here was, um, I think we did it for like six to eight months or so consistently putting all our effort in. And so we have enough testing, which is also another thing that uh, we need to make sure we do as professionals is are we testing it long enough to actually get those numbers and those results? Because if you test something for a week or two versus three months or four months or six months, that's a big difference as well, especially if you're new to a platform or new to whatever it is that you're trying to market to get get those numbers from. Totally. I mean, you touched on something that's so pervasive amongst the, the wedding industry is this social pressure to be in certain places, right? And mm-hmm. the bottom line is you don't need to be in the places that you see other people, right? Because what works for them isn't going to just like carbon copy work for you. And so, Mm -hmm. yes, there are people who are finding success on TikTok, but if you go through the effort of doing that experiment and it doesn't work for you, guess what? You've just freed yourself (laughs) of the like stress of needing to, of feeling like I need to be on TikTok. It's like, actually, no, I don't need to be on TikTok because my, my people aren't there. 
and that's right. fine. So I think that also depends on who you're marketing to. Totally. Like for our company, our market is wedding planners and corporate DMCs, and they are not finding us on TikTok. Whereas for a wedding planner who said, oh, I'm on TikTok and I get so much business. Well, a wedding planner is marketing to brides who are right now are in that Gen Z kind of time frame of generation. Yep. And they are in TikTok. That's yep. where they live. TikTok yep. and Instagram. Yep. It's- Whereas the wedding planners that we want to work with, they might engage because they want to market to their clients, but they're not finding their vendors or booking people because of TikTok. They're booking them because of relationships or because they find them on Instagram or they're on Pinterest or on Google. So it also depends on who you're actually marketing to. So if you are part marketing to Gen Z brides and grooms, then sure, TikTok is probably a really great place to do that. But if that's not your target market, you have to understand where is your target mar- market and are you putting the eggs in that basket that are going to give you the best return on investment or ROI based on the marketing that you are putting forth. Because I'm going to guess that people who aren't a solopreneur that are listening to this episode, you probably have someone helping you with marketing, which means there's payroll involved in your marketing strategy. And so even if you're not paying for ads or even if you're not paying for styled shoots, you're not paying for content directly, you are still paying for that person or that company that's helping you out for marketing. And so that is a cost that you have to understand, which also goes into what is that person who's on your salary or you're paying? What are they focusing on? Is that resulting in the results that you need to cover that expense. Yeah, that's, you know, that's one of the most brutal uh, KPIs to track is if you are investing any money in a person, whether it's a consultant relationship, a subcontractor or a full-time employee, and their job is marketing, then the the return on that investment that you should be seeing, right? Like, it's so brutal. I'm sitting here, no one can see my face, but I'm like, oh God, I almost hate saying this. But it's so true, right? Like, it is a line item in your marketing budget. Mm-hmm. And pretty much every line item in your marketing budget should have a pretty significant return. And if it doesn't, then it's one of those, I need to reevaluate this thing right. type moments. Well, it's just like your sales department. If you have sales department people who are not producing the revenue that you need them to produce, then you have to evaluate is the salary or commission or whatever structure that you pay that person on, is it resulting in the things that I need it to result in? And so same thing goes through for sales, for marketing, for operations, for every piece of your business. I even do this for my operations department. If I'm paying someone to take care of my inventory, and make sure that it is looking great, it is getting to the deliveries when I need it and all of that, and it starts slacking, that's not worth my investment of keeping that person on my team. So it might not be the amount that I'm spending on um, fixing my pieces. It might not be just solely based on how much time it takes to drive somewhere. Maybe they, you know, don't drive very fast, or maybe they... Um, don't wrap things in a quick, efficient way or, or things like that. But if you, you can't just look at it on, um, you know, return on investment or your KPIs, or your numbers on the actual results, you have to look at it on your staffing as well. Mm-hmm. At, at the end of the day, it is a business. Mm-hmm. And so you have to look at every single thing that is going into these different pieces of your business. Yeah. And you know, your, your job as the business owner or someone who's sitting in the, in the, 
proverbial C-suite is to find the most efficient and cost-effective ways to do something. You know, granted, you're trying to balance that with client experience and brand and all that other stuff that makes running a business, you know, so fun and complicated at the same time. Um, But that's, you know, that's what you're trying to do at the end of the day is make sure that everything that you've invested money in is, you know, helping you make money because that's the whole point of it all, right? Like no one's, right. I guess there are some folks out there who are uh, blessed enough that they can work for fun. I am not one of those people. I don't know if you're one of those people, but like those of us who are just working for fun need to make sure that our work is actually creating what we're needing it to. Well, I mean, you can look at the sharks on Shark Tank. They all have a different approach in how they run businesses. You know, Kevin O'Leary is very straight up and he might be a little harsh sometimes, whereas Lori might not be as harsh, but she still is looking at that bottom line. And so you can be on the same mindset of make money, invest wisely, make good decisions, and you can have a different approach to it when it comes to the tone of voice and the way that you approach those things. So it's okay to still have this kind spirit and intentional space, but also be able to look at your numbers and um, sometimes bring the hammer down when you need to and make those decisions at the end of the day. Yep. Yep. Um, and if you need to bring the hammer down wearing what some of my friends have started calling my soft kid gloves, because I tend to, <laughs> I, I tend to be someone who's just, you know, very honest and cuts to the chase. And I've had to learn over time. It's one of the things that I have invested like uh, personal effort into is learning how to deliver things sometimes a little more softly, a little more yes, kindly. Yep, I've had so, to learn that as well. Yeah. So if you if you need to put the soft kid gloves on before you drop the hammer, do that. But sometimes right. you still need to drop the hammer. Right. Exactly. <laughs> There's a kind way to do it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think that's, these are, gosh, so many great things that we're talking about. And I feel like we could spend hours on some of these different topics that we're talking about. Um, will you tell us a little bit more about your trends and correlations kind of in the marketing metrics that um, do drive these decisions that we have to make as business owners? Because like we've talked about, there's many decisions that have to be made based on these metrics. And sometimes we have to tweak things in order to uh, react to different result as well. Yeah. And this is where it very much ties back into our kind of conversation about marketing as an experiment. And so mm-hmm. when you're trying to find trends and correlations, they're not going to just appear in front of you. You have to look for them. And to me, it's easiest to look for them or to spot them when you've you've created some sort of hypothesis. You know, you you think again, going back to your gut, it's like it's always okay to like use your gut at some point. So For this kind of exercise, I do start with my gut. What do I think is going to, like, do I think if I increase my ad budget and my ad spend, do I think I'm going to see an uptick in inquiries? So those are, you know, that could be one experiment. And the key is to not have really more than one experiment going on at one time, because otherwise you can't really pinpoint whether or not that positive or negative correlation was because of that one thing. So I encourage people to just like, okay, well, this this quarter or six month period, we're going to try to see if an increased ad spend results in more inquiries. 
And so what you want to be looking for is, well, you want to have defined, these are the, the KPIs that I'm going to track for my ad spend, um, you know, impressions, actual spend, click-through rate. Facebook will give you data like, you know, cost per click and things like that. So, you know, you can have your list of KPIs. And then at the end of the day, you're looking at how many inquiries did you get for that period of time? And this is also where historical data is very helpful because you can't really tell if it changed if you don't know where your baseline was. And so that's why I really want to encourage people to, you know, start tracking your metrics today. If you're not, for some reason, I know Cam has been telling you to track your metrics for quite a long time. So um, take this as your, your secondary push to do it, but start tracking your metrics so that you can start, you know, doing these experiments and trying to see if there are correlations between things. Um, because like I said, they're not just going to like, they're not just going to like wave their hands in front of you and say, right. this works. If you do this, it's going to, you know, do this. You, right. you as the business owner need to invest strategic thinking and metric tracking into actually figuring out, does that thing do what I want it to do? Um, and yeah. it's, it's going to take time. Like you said, you know, running a, a TikTok experiment for six to eight months that's a great length of time because most people get very impatient and they're like, oh, well, I tried this for 30 days. It's like that 30 <laughs> days is not enough time for anything to like really like have any traction or, or you know, have have teeth. So you do have to be patient. What would you say is the appropriate amount of time? What is like kind of your range of like what is deemable of tracking this tests that we're kind of running three to six months is you know three months on the very minimum six months is the sweet spot if you uh have are in the position where you have more money that you can invest into the experiment or more time then you know you can do it upwards of an entire year because obviously more data is better than Mm -hmm. You know, I had five instances to of something to make a judgment call off of, as opposed to I have a hundred instances to make a judgment call off of. So three months is the so minimum. The thing is that you can probably go back and find some of those stats, even if you haven't. Let's say you have not tracked anything to this point, and you're going to start today. The great thing is if you've had an Instagram account, if you've had a Facebook account, if you've had a Pinterest account, if you've had email marketing, if you've had um, an ability to send out quotes or receive inquiries, you probably can go back and look at this history and create some metrics from um, a year ago, two years ago. It will take time. <laughs> it's, it's not something that you can just like import and it's done in a second, but it is really good information to have as you go into this year and you're making some decisions. You know, now we're coming to the end of a quarter for 2023. And so if you can go back to what was the first quarter like for 2022 and you can track those numbers, it's pretty easy if you go into your analytics of whatever platform you're on, you can navigate to adjust those dates for you and grab some of those things. Um, So don't think that because you've never tracked anything at all ever before that you can't go back and grab some of those details. You might not want to not want to spend a ton of time and get every little detail from all of that um, history, but it is probably good to at least look at 
maybe a quarterly basis instead of a monthly basis from years ago, just to kind of have a baseline of what happened last year or the year before and have an understanding. And then obviously the last few years have been a little rocky for everybody. So um, if you've been in business before 2020, you might have some good metrics that you can either go back to, or maybe you were tracking them before the pandemic. Um, And maybe look at, you know, when we look at our metrics and try to make decisions marketing or sales wise, we have to take 2019 and 2021 and 2022 and kind of understand what was happening in those years or in those quarters that can help us understand what we should plan for for this year. You know, when we sat down at the end of 2022 and put together our goals and our aspirations and what we wanted to accomplish in 2023, we couldn't use all of 2022 because we had Omicron COVID happening in Q1 of 2022. And then 2021 has its own things. And certainly 2020 had its own set of challenges. And so when we were even going from 2023 and trying to understand what our goals and what we wanted to accomplish in marketing, what we wanted to accomplish in um, sales, we had to go back to 2019. And so if you don't have those numbers, you can probably go get them if you were in business back then. But it is important to understand, at least on a quarterly basis or even a biannual basis, what happened during that time that I can help understand how this next quarter will go. Totally. So I mean, that you understand. Yeah. It's about expectation setting, right? That's yes. that's what these, these marketing and sales metrics do. And, you know, whether you're looking back and just trying to see like, okay, well, what did Q2 look like last year? So you can kind of get a gut check, you know, mm-hmm. am I going to potentially be drinking out of a fire hose or was it slow, which tells me I should you know, adjust my behavior in the opposite direction of if, if I last year was drinking out of a fire hose. Right. <laughs> uh, but it, so much about like the, emo- I know we're talking about numbers, but you know, so much about the emotional part of running a business is not feeling like you're failing. And so when you mm-hmm. can set expectations, again, like be a realistic person, it, it just, it puts you in a better, in kind of a better state. You're like, okay, mm-hmm. I know going into this, it's going to be a little bit of a rough go. So you can just like step into it from a better space, vice versa. If you know like, hey, these next few months are going to be insane, you can step into that from a better space. But, you know, tracking all these numbers and doing all these marketing things and and having the data documented, not just in your head, Mm -hmm. really (laughs) is, right? I mean, that's the other like pervasive thing. Well, I think I had about, you know, 500 likes, you know, then. Yeah. Did you? Like, <laughs> did you really? Because probably get that on paper. Yeah. Pixar did, didn't happen. Is like, yeah. yeah. We need to come up with some, <laughs> right? It's like the the metric equivalent of that. But yeah, I mean, it's there's just there's so many there's so much to gain and benefit from when you incorporate this into you know your daily, monthly, quarterly, yearly habit. Uh, especially if you're the person who's who's driving the business or is the person that, you know, I said, if you're being paid to market, then you really need to make sure that you're proving your worth. Um, then you should definitely be paying attention to your metrics and being proactive about, you know, showing the company that you work for, like, this is, this is why I'm a good investment, right? Right. Right. And I would say um, on a timing wise of how often you should update these numbers, I would say you certainly don't want to wait until the end of the year. Um, At minimum, I would do quarterly. At least once a quarter, you go in and you find these numbers. 
um, we, in our own business, we like to do it once a month. Um, if we can get to it once every week or once every other week to kind of get ahead of those numbers, we can, but we like to do once a month. We wait until the very last day or the first day of the next month to run those numbers for the month. Um, but that lets us know because I don't know about other markets, um, but in Dallas, we have a very kind of roller coaster of a wedding season and corporate season. And so I know that if I'm marketing certain things in February, they're going to make results in March or April. And so I need to know what did we market in February and what were the numbers from those and how did that rely on the inquiries and then booking six months down the road and all of that. And so I would say at least on a quarterly basis, we need to be tracking these numbers, if not on a monthly uh, basis as well. Yeah. So just keep that in the back of people's minds. I'm on the, I'm in a second, the, the monthly, and that's, that's my personal routine is on the first day of a new month. I'm tracking KPIs for the, the trailing 30, 31 mm-hmm. days. Uh, you know, and if you, if you do that as a habit, it will take you 10 minutes, right? Mm-hmm. Because you know exactly where you need to go. It's wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. As opposed to when you put it, you know, when you put anything off, it just becomes a bigger thing to do. So, um, so we're going to get everyone tracking metrics and on a monthly basis, yes. so that everyone's going to yes. take over the world. <laughs> yes. And then when you come back to those decisions that you have to make, whether it be sales decisions, marketing decisions, then you have a place to go back and get those numbers and not just rely on a gut feeling or just because that one post performed really, really great as well. All right. Well, any final words before we wrap up this episode to share and where can people find you if they want to learn more about you, Taylor? Yeah. So I am, I'm all over the internet, but the the corner of the internet that I'd like to point everyone to is, you know, Taylor from NG. And so our Instagram handle is ng underscore co and and ng is spelled e-n-j-i and you know i don't know exactly when this is going to publish but we are currently steamrolling toward a may 1st launch date and so i'm really excited about it because i've like i said at the at the top of you know the the episode i've taken everything that i've learned from my marketing clients over nearly a decade and the services that i've been providing them and have turned it into software. So setting marketing strategies, planning campaigns, managing a task calendar, KPI stuff, it's all in there so that like this big thing that is so important for all of us to do is still as important, but feels less like it's such a huge undertaking. So I hope everyone will will check us out when we launch, but uh, the website is ng.co. Um, and that's, that's where you'll find us. And it's, that's where you'll find me talking all marketing all the time. (laughs) Awesome. We're going to have those links in the show notes below this episode. So our listeners, you can go down to our show notes and go take a listen and a follow to Taylor. Thank you so much for being here today. I'm so excited that we got to talk about numbers and your marketing. I know that this episode is going to be incredibly helpful for all those that are listening. Thank you so much for having me, Cam. It was such a great time. 